Frankie, come. Come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there and welcome to the April 2019 edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I'm Devin from Canada. I want to begin with a timely announcement, but it has a website in it, so you'll need something to record it with, either braille or uh, digital recording or whatever. So you go get that ready, and in the meantime, we'll hear Rehab by the Guide Dog Glee Club.
that timely reminder I wanted to pass along to you. It's that time again for the annual free eye exams for guide and service dogs. And the sponsoring organizations are the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists and Stokes Pharmacy. This year, there are ophthalmologists offering the service in Vancouver, British Columbia, Calgary, Alberta, Cambridge, Ontario, and Riverview, New Brunswick, here in Canada. And then, of course, uh, there will be uh, several cities in the U.S. and Puerto Rico where the where there are eye doctors offering the same service. To get more information and to register, go to, and here comes the website, https colon slash slash www dot a-c-v-o e-y-e E-X-A-M dot O-R-G slash number about. I'll give you that website again. H-T-T-P-S colon slash slash www dot A-C-V-O E-Y-E-E-X-A-M dot O-R-G slash number about. Last January uh, 2019, the Dixieland Guide Dog users of uh, Charleston, South Carolina, hosted um, an event that takes place every two years called Top dog. One of the events that they offered was called Thanks Pups, and uh, it was a panel discussion about how important it is to recognize the roles that service dogs, and especially psychiatric service dogs, play, because we do have to live and work in harmony in order to increase the credibility of the assistance dog industry. So there was a panel discussion, and the moderator of that panel was Janine Stanley. This time we will hear part one of that discussion. We are going to talk other types of service dogs today, and we're going to talk about them because 
the Americans with Disabilities Act definition of a service animal. Is any animal, dog actually now, as of the uh, 2010 revisions, any dog specially trained to do a task, and, and uh, you're, pardon me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here, but uh, specially trained to do work or perform tasks to mitigate someone's disability. Now, the big part there is specially trained, and then there are other parts of the definition that talk about public behavior, and there's a lot of guidance from the Department of Justice about public behavior, but we're talking dogs, and we're talking all kinds of dogs. We're also talking all kinds of disabilities, and we're going to hear a little bit about that today. And I will warn you, you may hear some things here you may find controversial. You may hear some things here you don't like. You may hear a lot of things you're going to agree with. And we hope you will hear a lot of things here that will make you think. Now, I'm going to describe my attire today for a reason, um, which will become evident later. But um, <laughs> I am actually wearing a black and white long cardigan, black pants, white shirt, and a lovely distinctive green scarf. And we will learn the meaning of that later. But let me introduce my panelists here. So to my left, I have Tony Ames, and Tony is the, a founding member and president of the International Association for Assistance Dog Partners. This organization has been around for a, quite a while, at least, what, uh, almost 30 years now? 92. 92. Woohoo. Okay. Uh, and Tony is also, <laughs> she tells me this, so we'll see. Um, how long have you, Tony has been using guide dogs for 55 years. Anybody, anybody else any longer? All right, you got it. Woohoo. Yay. Yay. So uh, there are probably a few of us 40 year and 30 year people out there, but uh, not too many 50 year people. <laughs> Yay. To Tony's left is Mr. Ed Crane, and Ed is a, um, Service dog handler, you may have seen Ed and his uh, large yellow lab here, who he's going to tell you what his dog does for him. He is also the um, the operator of a website, myservicedog.org. Yep, I'm sorry, My Service Dog Incorporated. There we go. So, and we will give you all of these in, in an email later, so never fear. To my right are two folks that I had the pleasure of meeting during the 2016 Regneg process for the Air Carrier Access Act. And they are Veronica Morris, who is the president of the Psychiatric Service Dog Partners, and Brad Morris, who is the legislative director for PSDP. And Brad and I were the co-chairs of the uh, service dog working group for that particular effort. We then formed another organization that's a loose collaboration, but it's one that we advocate under called United Service. Let me see if I can get this right. United Supporters and Advocates. See, I already screwed it up. <laughs> United Supporters, Advocates, and I, see, I'm going to give it to them because I'm losing my mind right now. Okay, do it. <laughs> okay, pay attention to the letters. United Service Animal Users, Supporters, and Advocates. Because, exactly, who can be against USA? USA! So now that I have given those auspicious introductions, I'm just going to give you a really quick thing here on how I got into the sort of the cross, the, uh, the 
holistic service animal advocacy. Um, I realized back in the early 90s, um, as Tony did as well in forming IAADP, that this law covers all of us. It's not a special law for guide dog people up here and all you other people down here. We are all fighting the same battles now. We're fighting the battles against people who, for whatever reason, want to usurp the law and get around it. People who either don't know, don't understand, or choose not to abide by behavior standards. And then the business community that really doesn't understand that they have the right to say, no, you need to take that dog out. And so we're all fighting the same battle. And this is a tough battle to fight, folks, because we all hate people who are taking away our rights and making things more difficult for us. Sometimes, though, it's really hard to figure out who those people are. So I am going to turn this over. And, and I, I love having an, a Tony and Ed up here again. Um, it just, they, they are not, no, there is not the, there is no connection there. They are just friends. Um, <laughs> I had to put that out there. But I'm going to turn the mic over to Tony to give us a little history and then Ed to talk a little bit about what his dog does and what his history is for our first 15 minutes. So you all know what's going to happen. And then Brad and Veronica. Veronica is going to talk a bit about Hestia who some of you have had a chance to meet. And then Brad is going to talk a little bit about legislation and legislative history and efforts. So here you go, Tony. I was one of these kids who loved dogs, and my mother could not ever convince me that there was an unfriendly dog I shouldn't pet. So when I got my guide dog, I got, and that was in 1967, and I used to think when I was younger, wow, there are some people who've had dogs for over 50 years. Of course, I was much younger then, and uh, now I'm one of them. But I loved the idea of guide dogs. I mean, it changed my life thoroughly. And so I got involved with a number of the guide dog schools and got to know a lot of the CEOs at the time. And when I met my late husband in 84, he was writing a book called um, A Guide to Guide Dog Schools. And he didn't know that much about guide dogs. He really didn't. When he had gotten his dog at Seeing Eye, he knew so little. He had never had a pet dog. And when his dog one time lifted his leg and peed on him during a walk, um, his trainer came running over and said, Dr. Ames, that's a bonding sign, the dog showing you. I said, no, that's a sign of a bad dog who peed on you. Um, <laughs> but we started to learn about people with other disabilities and their dogs, and it was so fascinating. You know, we were so entrenched in the guide dog movement and all the things that excuse me, that guide dogs could do for you. But we were at a conference for the Delta Society, and we met people in wheelchairs who dog, whose dogs could retrieve things for them, uh, dogs who could push buttons on a phone to call 911. And we said, we have so much in common. Our veterinary issues are in common. We all have canines, and they all have different kinds of problems. We all have the problem of retirement or euthanasia or how does the family who's not disabled accept your dog. So in 1992, we established the International Association of Assistance Dog Partners, 
and you can get that online, iaadp.org. And we advocate for all people with well-trained, and that is a big thing, well-trained dogs. And just recently, before I came here, I was reading an email from the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound. It's a great club, and they get together, they go on trips, they work with people who are training their own dogs, and dogs do not have to come from any kind of organization. The big thing all the time is they have to be well-trained. Can't just say, I love Fido, and I just can't bear to leave the house without Fido. Um, The dog has to be trained to do something for you. And Gene Hample, their former president, came up with a list, and I think it's, it's very good because there are so many, I'm sure all of you have met the phonies out there, and you can tell by the behavior of the dog that they're phonies. So Gene came up with a list of people who have uh, no right to be going into public. And the first of the list is a non-disabled person with maybe a well-trained dog or not, but they've got the vest online, so they claim they have a service dog. And then you have the non-disabled person with a well-behaved dog, but it's not their dog. It could be, you know, a family member's dog, and they still want to have public access. And then you have a disabled person with a pet, maybe well-trained or not well-trained, but the dog has no task training. Or uh, the non-disabled person Um, or I should say the disabled person, with a poorly behaved service dog. And these are some of her issues about what constitutes, you know, a dog who should not have public access. I was going to a physical therapist in my hometown of Fresno, and my physical therapist had a little chihuahua. And when I would come in with my golden retriever guide dog, this dog would bark and bark, and they had to put him in a separate room. And then I found out that George took his dog everywhere. He said, I love my dog. I don't want to leave my dog alone. I take him to restaurants and so on. And I said to him, well, it's illegal. He said, well, I have a vest. I said, that's still illegal. Your dog doesn't have to wear a vest or a harness or any other equipment. And I said, okay, what would happen, George, if I came into a restaurant and um, I forgot the dog's name, we'll call him Fido, you know, starts barking at Adora the way he does when I come into the physical therapy practice. And he joked with me and he said, well, then I tell you, you should go to another restaurant. But it is unfortunate how many people out there love their dogs very, very much but should not be bringing their dogs in public. First of all, what nobody seems to be addressing is that some of those dogs are terribly, terribly stressed. You might love your dog, but the dog might not love to be on an airplane and might not love to be in a crowd. I mean, it's a phenomenal when you think about all the dogs we have here. And, you know, we have an occasional bark, but there's no fighting, there's no growling, you know, people are going by and saying, stick to your right or do this, you know. I think it's so incredible how many dogs there are here and how wonderfully trained they are. Um, And then you hear about flight attendants who get bitten and, and all this kind of stuff, and that's why the airlines are coming up with all these rules that affect all of us. And, of course, what they want is a certification process. Well, it doesn't work. Who's going to certify us? 
you know, are these going to be trained people who evaluate the behavior of your dog? You get a tag, you get a vest, you get whatever. I was in a store in Florida, and the cashier was commenting about my dog. Oh, she's so quiet. She's so well-behaved. And I'm sort of shocked. I said, that's the way she's supposed to be. And she's telling me about all these other dogs over the months who have growled at other customers, who have been very poorly behaved. And I said, you don't have to allow them in here. She said, I know, but management doesn't want negative publicity. And that's one of the things we all have to get together and do is educate the public out there that they don't have to accept poorly behaved dogs. They don't have to let them into their stores or theaters. There was one case I read recently of a dog who barked throughout a theatrical production. And at the second bark, I would have said, bye, out with you. You know, um, how disturbing to the rest of the public who then gets annoyed with dogs. We don't want dogs in here. Not realizing that we have various types of dogs. So we need to not get mad at the fakers, but get mad at the people who won't prosecute the fakers, who won't say, no, I'm sorry, you can't leave. And if it's negative publicity, so be it. And talk, why? Why did you not let this dog in here? Well, the dog is growling or barking or, you know, not housebroken and all the other things that they accuse all dogs of doing. Uh, so we need that. There's no, you know, you hear the word service dog and then you hear the word fake and they don't go together. There are fakers and those are the people who try to get dogs into places. Now I adore my cat and he loves me. So I joke, can I call him an emotional support cat and take him with me? <laughs> I also personally think that any therapist who signs a form saying that you definitely need Fluffy with you because you can't fly or you can't go into the store, and they've never met Fluffy, they have no idea of the behavior of this dog, um, they should be prosecuted too if they sign those forms. So there has to be a lot more negative publicity, not all these little ads about how wonderful dogs are and they do so much for us. I think that's, that's great, but there are also people who shouldn't have dogs with them. So I could go on forever, but I'm going to turn this over to Ed. And Ed has a wonderfully behaved dog. You know, one more thing, when, I've, when, I've, when people have asked to meet me and they say they have a service dog, I'm very suspicious, like, yeah, we'll see. But I'll say that Ed's dog will not even pick up, you know, a French fry fell off the table. And uh, he said, my dog won't take it. I said, my dog will, you know. <laughs> She's a golden. <laughs> but, you know, some of these dogs have behaviors that are even better than our guide dogs. So here we go. Next month, we'll hear from... Ed Crane talking about his seizure response dogs. And thank you very much to the Dixieland Guide Dog users for letting us play that. Say, did you know that April 24th, the last Wednesday in April, is International Guide Dog Day? I really don't have anything else to report on that, but I definitely wanted to make you aware of that so that you can celebrate the occasion either on your own or with 
friends and family and the uh, general public. Well, that just about does this week's edition of, uh, or this month's edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Thanks so much for listening. And we're going to finish uh, with a song by Laurel Jean Walden, who was uh, one of the organizers of this uh, most recent edition of um, Top Dogs in uh, Charleston. And she's going to sing The Blessing of Your Love. Thanks so much for being with us. If you have any information about what's going on, please do send it to me at the harness, the harness, just like what a guide dog wears, at bell.net. The harness at bell.net. So until May 17th, have a wonderful month, and uh, we'll speak with you soon. Bye for now. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Your love looked at me, and I prayed that my heart would have the eyes to see the miracle of grace upon your tender face when your at me your love touched my hand and I prayed that my heart would fully understand that in this world of strife and pain I was given life again when your love touched my hand and though I speak or sing Nothing can compare to that day your love walked up to me and found me waiting there. Your love led my way with an angel sent from heaven by my side to stay. I flew upon your wings, my heart began to sing when your love led my way. And though I speak or sing the words of the angels, nothing can compare to that day. I fly upon your wings I know my heart will sing When your love leads my way Your love looks at me And I thank my God for giving me a heart to see 
sprinkle of grace upon your tender face when your love looks at me I know the blessing of your love